Hello everybody, Andy here and welcome to this week's podcast. Hope you're doing well. We are excited about today's podcast. We don't really usually do any sort of um, any podcasts on products, but if you've watched our videos over the last, let's say, six months, you will notice that me and Pierce both wear this strap on our arm. Now, this strap is called a whoop strap. A lot of people have been asking us questions about it. Uh, it's something that we've used probably since May last year, I would say. And basically, it's a, it's a health and fitness tracker, a wearable that you put on your arm, and it tells you all sorts of information. Now, since using it, it has it's been an integral part of our lives and to the point where it changes your behavior. Now, what this measures, it measures your sleep, your recovery, and your day strain. And recently, the Whoop strap, they've actually partnered up with the PGA Tour. So you'll notice now that all the PGA Tour players will be wearing one of these straps on their arms. And it really is about tracking your health and your performance and about changing behaviors. So what we wanted to do was actually get on the CEO of Whoop, Will Ahmed, and interview him about where it all started to get a little bit more of an insight about the product and how it can help performance and what he's noticed amongst the best players in the world and also just in general uh, life as well. We love the product. I'm obsessed with it. I particularly love the the sleep one and it's certainly changing my behavior. So uh, we wanted to share that with you guys and give you a bit more insight to potentially how it could help you as well. So let us know your thoughts on the podcast and Whoop. Screenshot this and tag us in over on Instagram and Whoop. And also if you enjoy this and you think it's going to help somebody else, then make sure you share the podcast. So without further ado, please welcome Will Ahmed to the podcast. Will Ahmed, welcome to the podcast. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. Um, how's things with you? Great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I mean, before we sort of get into it today, we're excited to, to discuss Whoop. Um, it's something that we were, tr- we were figuring out before we came on, when we actually joined the membership and when we started our Whoop experience. And it was April last year, so we're coming up to 12 months. Oh, good. It, it's, a, it's, an integral, it's now an integral part of our, our lives to the point where as me and Pierce are pretty good with our morning routines. I don't check any social media, don't check any emails in the morning, but I check my Whoop in the mornings to see how well I've slept and things like that. So it's, a, it's my go-to app as soon as I wake up to actually just figure out what, what it's, uh, what's going on really. So it's definitely been a, a great thing for us. We love using the Whoop and we're excited to, to share some of the stories from us, but also get some real insight from, from you of why you started, what it's done, and then move into the golf space as well, because I know that's pretty exciting for you guys too. Absolutely. Let's do it. Perfect. So what is, for the, for the listeners who don't know what Whoop is, let's just talk about what is Whoop and um, how can it help people with their, with their lives and their fitness, let's say. Whoop is a membership that includes hardware and software and analytics, and it's really designed to help you improve your health, understand your body. You know, our mission at Whoop is to unlock human performance. So we work with everyone from really the best athletes in the world uh, to everyday consumers who are, who are looking for a little bit of an edge. And I think what makes Whoop unique is that you've, if you've been on Whoop for a number of months, we've been able to show that it in fact changes behavior and it improves your health. So that's, I think, the hardest thing to do in this space is to change behavior and improve health. And Whoop has shown that we change behavior and improve health. So it's a, it's a tool really that's designed to be a 24-7 life coach, if you will, right? It's measuring everything about sleep and recovery and strain and giving you feedback about 
your lifestyles, your behaviors, and, and finding ways for you to improve. Yeah, it really helps you understand your own body and your own performance and, and your habits that you've got into. I know um, probably about two or three weeks ago, I was on a streak of green recovery for about 18 days. Wow. And I was wow. like, that's a real deal. I'm going, I've nailed it. I've got this all nailed down. But the last, I'd say the last two weeks, I haven't hit a green. And I'm like, what, what's going on? What's going on? So I'm constantly looking at the data and seeing, looking at my HRV, my resting heart rate, my sleep, and, and really understanding what's going on to, to figure that out. So it's a great learning experience. Um, one of the questions, we, we posted a question in our, um, our private Facebook members group about WHOOP, and a lot of people are already members. And one of the big things that the people who weren't members were asking is, well, what, how does this differ to other fitness trackers like Fitbit or Apple Watch? What's, why should they look at this over some of those? Yeah, a, a few things. So the first is the value proposition. Whoop is great at all the things that it does for all the things that it doesn't do. We are incredibly focused on health monitoring, right? So if you're looking for something that's going to do phone calls and let you call an Uber and give you push notifications uh, and maybe tell you about your steps, whatever, that's not, that's not whoop. But if you want something that's going to deeply understand your body, that is whoop. Uh, the second thing is, is really what I started, started the show with, which is around behavior change and health improvement. I mean, whoop is the first wearable system to prove that after you've been on whoop for 12 months, you are you have a lower resting heart rate you have a higher heart rate variability which is a measurement of your autonomic nervous system you're getting higher quality sleep and you're spending more time in bed so those are pretty powerful uh health improvements and, and behavior changes and then the last and this is a little bit more of a business model thing but whoop is only um it's only 30 dollars to sign up and it's a subscription over time so you know you can pay as little as 18 dollars a month for whoop and figure out whether or not you like it. And by the way, if you don't like it, cancel, right? You know, it's our responsibility to deliver value to you every day, every week, every month, every year. And so you'll see that Whoop releases features and software and analytics at a cadence that's just much faster than these traditional hardwares. And, uh, and so they charge you a bunch of money up front. We charge you a subscription over time. And uh, hopefully you grow with us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And just a, so a couple of questions from me. First of all, how long has Whoop been going? But also, what are the main things that you've learned on this incredible journey that you've had? So uh, I got into the space because I was always into sports and exercise. Uh, I was playing squash while I was at Harvard. I was captain of the team there, and I felt like I didn't know what I was doing to my body while I was training. So I was a college athlete. I would overtrain. I was surrounded by other college athletes who would undertrain or get injured or misinterpret fitness peaks. Maybe don't, you know, didn't understand recovery, sleep. So I got very interested in physiology. I probably read something like 500 medical papers while I was in school, which is a crazy number <laughs> of medical papers. And, uh, and I wrote a paper myself around how to continuously understand the human body. And that you know, that became the business plan for Whoop. So that would have been 2011 and then founding the company 2012, summer of 2012, and, uh, and then building the business from there. I mean, there's, there's an enormous number of things uh, that come to mind when you say, what, 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 what have you learned in the process? I think 
uh, to, to, to folks listening to this who are aspiring to start something or aspiring to be entrepreneurs, I would say the biggest thing I've learned is to focus on comparing yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big, uh, there's a big tendency to compare yourself to other successful entrepreneurs when you're first starting something. And it creates a feeling of intimidation and it makes you kind of feel like, well, gosh, I can't even recruit the fourth member of my team. Like, you know, Steve Jobs never had to deal with this or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's not, it's not productive. And I bet you when, when those, you know, super successful entrepreneurs were first starting themselves, uh, they didn't necessarily know what they were doing either. So the most important thing is that independent from the business, you yourself are growing and learning and improving and really to frame a lot of the way that you think about building a business is around making sure that you yourself are improving and growing. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned that there. So that's a, that's a good point. So how, how has it helped you with your performance as well? I mean, obviously you were obviously a very high level squash player. Um, I suppose it's going to highlight perhaps what you could have done better. <laughs> we probably wish you had whoop now back then but what are the main oh, things that you what are the main things that you've learned about yourself and your performance yeah you know as a you know today i think most of my focus is being um is being a healthy you know a healthy person but also to be able to execute at a high level for a very long period of time right um pe- people talk about you know starting a company is is more like a marathon than a sprint it's actually kind of like a sprint marathon for, you know, forever, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not, you know, it, it just kind of keeps going and going and going if, if you're building a, a business for the long run. And so for me, a lot of it's about consistency and being able to perform consistently for a long time. Um, you know, whoop has helped me figure out how to really dial in my sleep. So, let's zoom out for a second. If you ask someone how well they slept last night and they don't measure sleep, they'll probably say, you know, you say, how much sleep did you get last night? They'll say, well, I went to bed at 11. I woke up at six. I got seven hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you actually spent seven hours in bed. You didn't necessarily get seven hours of sleep. And within that seven hours in bed, you spent time awake in light sleep in slow wave sleep and in REM sleep. Awake and light, you don't get that much value for slow wave and REM, that's where all the magic happens, right? So you want to get as much, as much of a time in bed that you spend, you want it to be in slow wave and REM sleep. And slow wave sleep, just, just for your audience's benefit, slow wave sleep is when your body's producing about 95% of its human growth hormone. So people think they get stronger in a gym. No, in fact, they're, they're breaking their muscles down in a gym. You know, when, even when you're practicing golf or you're, you're preparing for any sport, you're, you're, you're training your muscles in that moment. You're breaking them down. Slow wave sleep is when you're repairing them. And actually when you're getting all the benefit for what you put in earlier that day. So slow wave sleep is incredibly important for athletes, but really anyone who wants to, to build muscle. And, and REM sleep is arguably even more important because that's cognitive repair. So that's when your mind's repairing. And, uh, and that's one when you'll dream. So if, if you're someone listening to this and you can't really remember dreams or you don't seem to be having dreams, there's a good chance that you're not getting enough REM sleep. So slow wave and REM sleep are really the most important periods. 
And, uh, and so we've, we've now worked with, um, you know, an enormous number of people and especially professional athletes and, and high performing people. And what's amazing is you take two people who spend seven hours in bed, one person might be getting five hours of REM and slow wave, right? That's an incredibly restorative sleep. That's a high percentage of time in bed being restorative sleep. And another person might get 30 minutes, right? So if, if you, you're thinking about life hacks for a second as you listen to this, one life hack is you want the percentage of time that you spend in bed that's restorative sleep, you want that to be really high. So if you're someone who's listening to this, you're like, well, I only have five and a half hours to sleep. Okay, fine. You don't want to allocate more time to sleep. That's fine. But make sure as much of that five and a half hours that you're in bed is restorative sleep. Mm -hmm. And that will completely change your life. And so, you know, a lot of what I've really dialed in over years with Whoop is how to make, is how to make that period of time that I'm asleep uh, very productive very productive for me because, you know, some nights I'm only in bed for six hours or, or six and a half hours. And I want to make sure I'm still getting a lot of restorative sleep. I can go into some of, some of those habits if, if it's helpful. I'm absolutely waiting for you to roll them off right now. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll start with things that I think are generally helpful for everyone related to sleep. Um, a colder, uh, let's talk about the bedroom environment, a colder bedroom, uh, is better than a warmer one. Most people are sleeping in too warm of a bedroom. Uh, you know, I like mine to be at 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, you want to make sure the air quality in your, your bedroom is good. You want to make sure that the room is incredibly dark. I'll actually sleep with um, an eye mask to really em emphasize that. Also, you know, prior to COVID, I was traveling a lot. So if you're in a hotel room or whatnot, there's a lot of weird little lights in the room. All those things can disrupt your sleep. Uh, so I recommend uh, an eye mask. The amount of time that you spend, uh, the, the amount of time before bed that you uh, eat is very important. And this is a, a more personal one. It varies a lot by person. I've found that if I'm eating within two hours of getting in bed, that'll really affect my sleep negatively. Some people, for some people, it's as much as three hours. But we generally recommend that you try to, to eat at least over two hours before going to bed, hopefully over three hours before going to bed. You know, if you're someone who's eating an hour before bed, that's gonna screw up your sleep. Uh, most people intuitively know this, but they probably don't fully appreciate just how much, how disruptive alcohol is for your sleep. And, and it can be, it, this varies by person, but it can be as little as a drink and a half or two drinks that completely throws off your sleep. And, and some of that equation on how much is light sleep, how much is REM and slow wave sleep. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got these things called smartphones in our lives. <laughs> and, uh, and so smartphones, televisions, laptops, uh, iPads, whatever, they emit blue light. Blue light kind of wakes your brain up and tells it to, to pay attention. So if you're looking at blue light up until the moment before you go to sleep, that can affect the way that you sleep. Now, I, again, I run a company um, and for me, it's hard not to be looking at my phone late into the evening. And so what I'll do is wear blue light blocking glasses. There are, they're kind of a red tinted glasses and those will block blue light. 
which, uh, which is kind of like a get out of jail free card for, <laughs> you know, various forms of bad behavior related to screens. Uh, so, so I'll, I'll wear those, you know, an hour or two hours before bed. Uh, and, and that makes an enormous difference. Your mindset, uh, getting into bed can play a big role. You know, if you get, if you get in a fight with your partner or your, your, your wife or your spouse or whatever, right before you go to bed, uh, if you read the wrong email right before you go to bed, uh, those are, those are things that can actually really meaningfully screw up your sleep that night. Uh, which, which is a fairly obvious thing, but I think people underestimate. We've seen that various forms of breathing techniques, whether that's meditation, whether that's mindfulness, you know, even 10, 12 hours before you go to bed. I mean, this is such a fascinating thing about your body. For me, um, I meditate for 22 minutes every day. That actually plays an important role in how I sleep way later that night. And so, sorry, just quickly on that, Will, what sort of time are you doing that? Because I mean, I know Andy's been doing a bit of meditating. I do, I do as well, but I always do mine early in the morning because I feel it helps. But maybe, like you're saying, later could be better. Well, believe it or not, I meditate actually first thing in the morning. Okay. I wake up, I take a freezing cold shower, and then I get dressed and I meditate. That's kind of my morning, my morning routine. And, uh, all I'm saying is that people underestimate the amount of stuff that they're even doing throughout their day that then later affects how their body recovers. So for example, drinking, and this is again, very personal, but drinking caffeine after 2 PM for a lot of people will really screw up how they sleep maybe at 11 or 12 PM later. Right? So it's, uh, it's just interesting how, you know, the memory of your body and, and how you respond to it. A um, couple other things that are personal for me related to sleep. I'll take uh, a fairly heavy dose of magnesium almost every night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that can help with muscle repair and has other benefits. And, uh, and then probably 50% of the time, I'll take uh, a small dose of melatonin. Melatonin is helpful at uh, at helping you fall asleep. So, kind of that initial period of you lying in bed to to falling asleep. If your if your mind's a little awake, uh, if you've been traveling, <clears throat> uh, melatonin something that can help. Love it. I made a made a list there. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, apart from the cold showers, I'm not I'm not a fan. In fact, this morning I had a shower and the warm water wouldn't come out, and I was panicking because I hate cold showers. <laughs> Everyone hates showers. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think with this I as well, every day, I still hate them. But, yeah. but I think they do have real physiological benefits. Hi, everyone. Andy here. Just letting you know about something that we've created just for you. MeAndMyGolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is, what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans. And we've seen some amazing results from these plans. And these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game so you don't have to think or worry about what to do. We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score, fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. 
We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well. And we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game. So make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join. Check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community. I think it's, it's, it's also rare. We don't necessarily do any... Um, we don't have people on talking about products on our podcast well, but I think because it's been so powerful for us, um, you know, and we know it could potentially impact us as you know, that's our mission is really helping other people. And just to share a couple of our experiences from this as well, cause I think that'll be powerful. About a year ago, I read, um, I read the, the book, why we sleep by Matthew Walker, which I think has been a, a real hit and has changed a lot of people's thinking regarding sleep. Um, it's certainly put my put a whole new, um, I suppose, thought process and, and understanding what, how important it is for you. And since then, and your mission is changing human behavior, I've done a lot of different things around uh, in my life that actually contribute to my sleep to the point where I've actually got my sleep really good now. You know, the percentage and how I'm doing it and the, the routines that you're talking about have been really powerful. But also my relationship with alcohol. Um, a while ago, I went, I just had whoop and I went around a, a friend's house and I'd had probably maybe five drinks and I went to bed a little later. And then the next morning I got up and I've got 2% in the red. I'm like, Oh my God, yep. <laughs> like what is going on? And it was like a, a red, a literal red alert to go, okay, that's how damaging alcohol is for my heart rate when I'm asleep. And that's how negative it has. And to the point now where my, I don't really drink anymore. And that was one of the massive impacts on me that, okay, I don't want to do that if that's how it's really affecting my body. So it's the accountability and the, 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 the impact it has on changing these subtle behaviors, which has been great for me. And I know Pierce has got an interesting story as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, um, so this was actually, I think it was either the 30th of December last year or even new year's Eve. Um, and I got a little bit of information before this, but this is pretty much how it happened for me. That on the, I think, I think it was the 31st, let's say, let's say it was the 30th, I wake up and I've got a 1% recovery and I've got a respiratory rate for five higher than normal. Oh, now, wow. I know listening to the Nick Watney podcast that you did and, and, and you know, I've had discussions with members of the, of the group on this, you know what's coming, obviously. Um, I actually had then, uh, and I felt fine at that point. I felt a little tired, a little groggy. Um, the COVID test I had the next day suggested that I had COVID and had a positive test. And then, so I've gone from feeling fine, having a 1% recovery with high respiratory to two days later, experiencing all the symptoms of COVID, which are, you know, body aching, loss of uh, taste, which is horrendous by the way. <laughs> but it's so interesting that now I knew before that, cause I, I, my, my wife started to feel ill. So I knew that there was something coming. But then, but, but, but for me, if I was living by myself, and I know you guys have seen this, I'm seeing a 1% recovery, which I've never been anywhere near, and then my respiratory rate's gone through the roof, it was, a, it was a sure sign that I got COVID. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, we've gotten messages uh, daily from WHOOP members who have had the exact same experience. And just to explain this to the audience for half a second. Yeah. We conducted uh, research on COVID-19 uh, starting in March, and we had actually thousands of WHOOP members who had tested positive for COVID-19. 
15 who are willing to share their WHOOP data uh, to allow us to understand what does COVID-19 look like before, during, and after uh, on WHOOP. And, and uh, what was amazing about this is we found one very specific statistic that was a, a smoking gun, effectively, and that we've now published peer-reviewed research on this. So don't take my word for it. If you want to read the research yourself, go for it. The, the uh, smoking gun was respiratory rate, which you just described, Pierce, and, and respiratory rate is a measurement of breaths per minute. We, met, we take it while you're sleeping. You know, typically people have a, a breaths per minute of 10 to 20 breaths while they're sleeping. And it's a really boring statistic. It really <laughs> never changes. So let's take Nick Watney, Nick Watney, professional golfer. Golf comes back first this past summer. Uh, you know, they're trying to find ways to, to play in, in bubbles. They've got rapid COVID testing. He tests negative for COVID-19 on a Tuesday. He um, plays in the tournament on Thursday. He wakes up Friday, just like you, pairs 1% recovery, massively elevated respiratory rate. So Nick had been on WHOOP for 10 months. For 10 months straight, his respiratory rate was 14, 14, 14 every single day. Like I said, boring statistic. He wakes up and it's like an 18 and a half. It just jumped off the page. I mean, this isn't a subtle deviation. Uh, this is a massive change. And it sounds like it was the same thing for you, Pierce. Absolutely. And so he goes to see the, the doctors uh, at the site and says, I need to get tested again. And they're actually like, no, you're cleared to play. And so that's a, that was the amazing moment where Whoop told him that he should get tested. He gets tested. Of course, he tests positive for COVID-19. And uh, he's able to, to quarantine and, and, of course, protect the tour. And within 24 hours, the PGA Tour had procured over 1,000 Whoop straps uh, for every player on the tour, not to mention their caddies, media members, and um, we became a pretty big role in the in sort of the the moving bubble. Of course, we just announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that Whoop's become the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. So we're super excited uh, about that partnership and and to have been able to help during COVID nineteen. The the last thing I'll I'll add about COVID nineteen is that look, COVID nineteen is a lower respiratory tract infection. So it makes all the sense in the world that if you have a lower respiratory tract infection, it's going to affect your breathing. And one of the early sort of points of view in founding WHOOP was that feelings are overrated. There's this idea that you can feel everything about your body. And in fact, that's not the case, right? Myself as an athlete, I thought I could feel that I was fine or I would tell myself that I was fine, but that I, I pushed myself too far and I wasn't resting enough. And so I overtrained all the time. Uh, you know, you just said it yourself, Pierce, you, you felt fine. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, what's been so profound and scary about COVID-19. You can be carrying this virus, you can feel fine and you can give it to someone else and it can have very serious consequences, potentially deadly consequences for that person. And so society at large is waking up to the fact that they can't necessarily feel about everything about their bodies and that there are potentially physiological indicators that you can measure about your body that can help you understand it. Mm. And, uh, and so that's why we think, look, we think uh, health monitoring is as important as it's ever been. And, uh, and again, I would encourage your, your listeners to take a look at the relationship between respiratory rate 
and COVID-19 because I think it's an important thing for people to understand right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Brilliant. Well, let, let's get on to the, the golf if we can then, Will, because obviously you, you said you announced the, the PGA Tour partnership, which is great. Um, how did that all come about? And then we'll sort of talk about how, how it can really help the performance of the golfers. Yeah, you know, I think the best partnerships in general are ones that start from an organic, authentic place. And we had seen for the past, call it two years, a ton of growth for Whoop within the PGA Tour to a point where I would discover who was wearing Whoop by just watching, you know, the U.S. Open or whatever, fill in the blank tournament, which was incredibly cool. I'm, I'm a golfer. I grew up a big fan of golf. Um, I play golf. So uh, I admire the I'm, I admire the athletes and I admire the sport, and uh, and so we just naturally seen this thing grow on the tour. Uh, it helped that one of the first guys who was on Whoop was Rory McIlroy, and Rory started telling a bunch of players on the tour about it and encouraged them to get on it. One thing that's interesting about professional golf in general is that it's a much more collaborative group. I mean, Whoop has worked with. Uh, virtually every single professional sport out there at this point. And I can tell you that some sports are closed off. They're very secretive. They're very private. Some sports are collaborative on that spectrum. Golf is the most collaborative sport I've been a part of uh, or I've, I've worked within, I should say. And, uh, and so that, that helped whoop grow within the PGA tour. We had the Nick Watney moment, uh, which, uh, you know, led of course to the tour for procuring over a thousand whoop straps. And, uh, and then we just started talking about what, what could a big partnership here look like? What are some of your needs? What are some of our needs? And we ultimately formed a partnership, making whoop the official uh, fitness wearable of the PGA Tour that has two core components to it. The first is uh, the health and performance of the players, right? So we're building a data repository for all the players, helping them understand their health, helping them understand travel, sleep, recovery. What are things that the players can do to be more optimal? And the second piece, which I'm really excited about, is bringing Whoop Live to fans. And this is a very innovative component of the deal. It's essentially going to allow us to put heart rate on top of replays of of you know powerful moments and you know take take um you know uh, a, a player on the 18th hole making the big putt to win the tournament right to be able to feel what they're feeling in that moment with their heart rate is pretty is pretty profound and that's what we'll be able to do with this and it also uh, allows us to be able to broadcast some of that data in real time so if you're watching it in real time you'll be able to see players, players' heart rates. And, and so I think it's a pretty innovative uh, partnership and I'm very excited for it. I think there's, there's gonna be a few players who, want, who won't want their heart rate <laughs> um, shown on screen if they're on the first tee in the open, but for the viewers and the fans, it, I mean, that's something that excites me to see what they're doing. Cause I think the amateurs and the amateur golfers listening to this, they would love to know that people like Rory and people like tiger and all the rest of them they want to know that they get nervous they want to know that they would get nervous teeing it off so it's great that you guys are going to provide that data um quick question on on strain and some of the data then will what are the things that you found for instance between um a non-competitive round practice round 
and a competitive round of golf, for instance, like the strain, how different would the strain be on a, on a competitive round of golf? What, what have you noticed? So interesting. And I've talked to a lot of different players about this. I've, I've been fortunate to get to know a lot of different players on tour. You know, generally they tell me that a practice, a practice round could be, and, and for people listening who aren't familiar with whoop and strain, we have a, a measurement of strain from zero to 21. And it gets uh, exponentially harder to go up the scale. So going from a zero to a five is very easy. Going from a 16 to a 17 is actually quite, quite hard. So it's not linear. It's actually exponential. So it gets increasingly hard. And, and we've seen practice rounds can be as low as 12, 13, you know, kind of like a, an, an average workout or a light activity, right? Um, a, a, you know, a serious round can be a 14, a 15, a 16. And then the really interesting thing is an in-contention round can get all the way up 17, 18, 19. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's sort of these different gaps. And it just shows you, I think it shows you also the mental stress that these guys go through. And you guys are so involved in the sport. You know this well. But it's really, it's an easy thing to take for granted. Just five, six hours in that in that high spotlight moment there's the hours before preparing for it it's it's a lot i mean it's really a lot and it and it shows up physiologically you can see how elevated their heart rate is and and uh it's fascinating yeah for sure for sure and and just interesting so going on to that point and it might even for the amateur golfers listening what are the sort of things that we can do pre and post round based on that data Yeah, well, I, I think first of all you want to recognize what, like, what, what is it that you're going into. So, let's take a few examples. Uh, Rory McIlroy on on the Whoop podcast. Um, I host the Whoop podcast. You can listen to that if you're interested in in sort of learning more about Whoop. But I interviewed Rory, and he was talking about. Uh, the last round, I think of it, it was the FedEx, and he, they had to play, you know, something like 34 holes in a in a day. There'd been a delay. And he woke, yeah. yeah, and he woke up that day with a green recovery. So he said to himself, "Okay, I'm ready to take on all the strain that will be today, right?" And that's not a four or five hour ordeal. That's like a 10 or 12 hour thing, mm -hmm. right? So you can imagine the strain was massively high for that day. But he felt that because he was well recovered. He was ready to take all of that on. I talked to Scott McCarron, uh, who's been a longtime Big Whoop guy, and he described uh, on the Whoop podcast that when he wakes up with a lower recovery, a red recovery, he'll actually do a lot less on the range. Mm. Right? You know, if he knows his body's run down, okay, I'm not going to overdo it on the range. I'm going to have a you know a shorter session. He's not going to exercise. Uh, and again, this is in tournament play right when it's the most stressful i think the other thing to recognize is okay well if it is a lower strain thing for a practice round you know okay that might be a day you can you know do weights in the morning or do weights in the evening right you can you can take your body can take on more mm. so much of of whoop is that is that finding the right balance yes this idea of however recovered your body is that's how much strain you should put on yeah and and trying to keep those things in balance 
I love what you say about Scott McCarran there, because it would be easy for someone listening to this and they may go, well, if I get a red recovery, then that's going to upset my mindset and I'm going to be all out of whack. Well, you guess what? You've got two choices. Number one is you do what Scott McCarran did and just do less before you play. And number two, you make sure it's not red next week. <laughs> you know, you, you, you find out why it was red. You know, for the longest time in the history of humanity, people have always had this sort of knee-jerk reaction to more information being bad. Um, <laughs> like, you know, there was, there was, there's criticism, if you go back in time, for the printing press. And people criticize, well, what happens if more people have access to literature and can read? Could that be too much information for them, <laughs> right? And, and so at every turn, this has sort of been a silly point of view from humanity. I think the key is knowing how to use information and being in control of how you use it, right? Yeah. And having the right mindset around it. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely, it's one for shaping good habits is what, you know, is what we like about it. It really sort of enforces some of the, the bad things that you're doing that you don't actually realize until you measure it. You know, we always talk about that, that, that you can't really improve what you don't measure. So as soon as you've got that number or that, data it's like right okay there's the awareness let's make some better better choices and then you're going to reap the benefits totally yeah brilliant andy should we go on to the follower questions because yeah perfect okay so i mean one of the the most common thing that we got was what was the difference you've already explained that i've got a question from martin morgan jones Uh, how important is it to input the data when using the whoop this is from our facebook group so more of the journal side of things i suppose No, a lot of it comes back to what you're trying to get out of Whoop. Uh, Within the Whoop journal, we've got about 50 or 60 different lifestyle and behaviors, lifestyle decisions and behaviors. So for example, alcohol consumption, supplements, travel, uh, some of the stuff that we talked about, bedtime routine. You know, did you take melatonin last night or not, right? So if if you're asking yourself, okay, is this diet working for me? Uh, do I drink a little bit too much? Uh, what are things I can do before bed to sleep better? If those are questions you're asking yourself, then you want to be you know, pretty disciplined about using that Whoop journal. And every morning, it probably takes, I don't know, 30 to 60 seconds, and you swipe left and right and kind of answer those questions. And what will happen is Whoop will tell you every month, <clears throat> okay, on the nights you took melatonin versus the nights you didn't, uh, you fell asleep. faster, or you got X amount more slow wave and REM sleep, you know, so it it tries to help you understand how all these different things affect you. Uh, Because a big theme again for whoop is that your body is highly personalized. And and there you know, you're an individual, and it's not one size fits all we want to figure out what's what's that recipe for you. I think, you know, there's other people who are less, you know, interested in those specific questions. And so they'll phase in and out of using the Whoop journal. It's really, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, I know, it's, I know it certainly helps me every morning when I input my data in there. And things like, it tells me that when I take zinc, zinc magnesium on the night, it gives me 5 to, 10, 5 to 10% better sleep quality. So it is important and it's amazing what you can start to sort of learn about yourself, really. That's awesome. Um, one last question from the, from the Facebook group. Um, this is from James Brace. He says he loves the sleep function. Uh, but he finds he has to put it input the start time uh, himself. Is this is is this common or is it just me? That's probably just him. I mean, I haven't input a start time on sleep for years. It might be that Whoop is still getting to know him. You know, there's kind of that initial 
uh, two-week calibration period, you know, sometimes as much as 30 days. Things can get a little wonky if you're traveling and sleeping on a plane or, um, you know, if you've got uh, like a pet in your bed, sometimes like certain things can be a little disruptive to the analysis. But for the most part, Whoop is automatically doing, you know, detecting all that stuff. You shouldn't have to input it. And I'll just add for Whoop members listening to this, they can, they can email our support team. We have a great membership services team and the membership services team will respond almost immediately. You know, they should think of that as part of their membership. Love that. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. Love that. So we've got kind of one question, which is the, you know, a really, uh, I think for, for our point of view, we, me and Andy want to know this, but what's next for Whoop? How can you, you know, where are you going now? Well, we're going to keep uh, adding to this membership. I think our, our, one of our main goals is to surprise and delight, you know, and, and try to go beyond what people are expecting. You know, one example of that last year was, was our COVID-19 research. People didn't buy Whoop expecting that we would help them predict a, a virus, but we did a lot of research and then we gave the information back to our members. So we're doing a lot of um, work right now on, on new features, new analysis. There's going to be new things coming out, which we're really excited about. And again, all of those are going to come with the membership. So it doesn't matter when you sign up, you're still going to get all of it. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And I think, look, I mean, look, again, for, for us, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, as Andy says, we love the product and we just love being, you know, involved with you guys. And speaking of podcasts, I think anyone listening to this, if they have any questions about Whoop, just go and check out your podcast. I mean, it's awesome. I love the Rory McIlroy one. I forget the name of the Navy SEAL guy, but he was, he was quality. The guy who, who went through SEAL selection quite late. He was a, Arc Divine. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's from being a, an accountant to being a the number one Navy SEAL in his class. Unbelievable. And that was like late twenties that he went to to through that SEAL recruitment, didn't he? Yeah, I mean that was yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good podcasts, and we have a bunch of golf ones. I've interviewed Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Scott McCarron, Scott Stallings, Nick Watney, um, the Corden twin uh, sisters. Quarter sisters, yeah, and and we've got more golfers coming on soon. So that's the Whoop podcast. You can check that out. You can yeah. find us at whoop.com. You can find us on social at Whoop. You can find me on social at Will Ahmed. Awesome, great, great job, great job that you're doing for sure. Yeah, thanks for your time. We'll really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, good luck in the future. Excited to see the PGA Tour relationship develop and get those heart rates come on screen. Andrew Pierce, thank you so much. Thank awesome. you. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to speaking to you next week.